0: Hello, everybody. My name is Pasha Marlowe. I'm the host of the Neuroqueering podcast. And I wanted to share with you today some of the presentation that I will be presenting at the ADHD International Conference in Baltimore, Maryland this week. I'm recording this in late November. 2023. I will have the honor and pleasure of presenting on the topic of neuroqueering, neuroqueering beyond the intersection of neurodiversity and queerness. And as this is the neuroqueering podcast, I figured we should dig into uh, specifically again, what the heck is neuroqueer and neuroqueering. So uh, thank you all for joining me. And um, I hope this conversation is one that that sits with you and creates new questions and new conversations um, internally and with those in the neurodivergent and queer communities. So what does neuroqueer mean? Um, This definition is from Nick Walker, who wrote the Neuroqueering Heresies book. I'm looking for it. Uh, and uh, she defines a neuroqueer individual as anyone whose identity, gender performance, and neurotype has been shaped by their engagement in practices of neuroqueering. Regardless of their gender, sexual orientation, and neurotype. So related to the practices of neuroqueering, this is when we challenge neuronormativity, challenge or question or queer heteronormativity and other social norms as well. So with that definition, because it's about anyone who has been shaped by their engagement in these practices. Really, anyone can be neuroqueer and anyone can practice neuroqueering, which I very much appreciate. It's it's inclusive and expansive, the definition alone. Um, and the more inclusivity, obviously, the better in both of these uh communities, especially, I know there's a lot of um, feeling of exclusion and um, discrimination and marginalization uh, within the neurodivergent and queer community. So I love that it, that it in empowers both of these communities, and goes beyond that to really empower anyone to embrace these concepts and, and become an an ally and advocate. Uh, to the process of queering and questioning social norms. So it's not just about the intersection of neurodiversity and queerness, even though it is absolutely used to describe individuals who are neurodivergent and queer. So neuroqueer could be an identity, as in I, Pasha Marlowe, identify as a neuroqueer, autistic ADHDer. But we can also use neuroqueer as a verb. I can neuroqueer and I can practice neuroqueering. So one of my favorite things to do on this podcast is to neuroqueer relationships, neuroqueer leadership, education through the lens of neurodiversity and queerness, but also through the lens of neuronormativity and heteronormativity. Everything we uh, talk about today and anything related to uh, neuroqueering is going to be done through the lens of the neurodiversity paradigm. The neurodiversity paradigm has roots in a social model of disability. Very different, radically different from the medical model. The neurodiversity paradigm states that it is actually the environment that disables people. It focuses on removing barriers in society that exclude and oppress neurodivergent people. So, for instance, you'll hear our society is disabling, or rather than saying there are low functioning people, no, rather there is a low functioning society that does not accommodate the needs of people who are disabled, or neurodivergent, um, or have just greater access or support needs. While the pathology paradigm asks, what do we do about the problem of these people not being normal? The neurodiversity paradigm asks, what do we do about the problem of these people being oppressed, marginalized and poorly served and accommodated by the prevailing culture? The neurodiversity paradigm starts from the understanding that neurodiversity is an access of human diversity, like ethnic diversity or diversity of gender and sexual orientation. And it is subject to the same sort of social dynamics as those other forms of diversity, including the dynamics of social power inequities and privilege and oppression. So when we start to move away from the pathology paradigm, individuals can define their own meanings around their differences, their experiences, their responses, their challenges. And uh, recently, I've started to dig into and and play with the word neuro belonging, neuro belonging, in the sense that we feel a sense of belonging, uh, and authenticity and truth in ourselves, and that we define as neurodivergent people, our own meaning about our differences, experiences, responses, and challenges. Um, so we're going to be exploring that idea of neuro belonging, um, going beyond belonging, uh, belonging, being being accepted as your authentic self. So I wanted to take that one step further, um, to being accepted as your authentic self, and also within your Meaning around your differences, experiences, responses, and challenges, um, as well as your own internal sense of neuro belonging, that you will you will not uh, betray yourself, that you will stay truthful and authentic um, internally, even when others don't understand, or appreciate, or celebrate, or even believe you so um brene brown by the way uh has a great quote fitting in is becoming who you think they need you to be in order to be accepted belonging is being your authentic self and knowing no matter what happens you belong to you if you don't betray yourself you can belong anywhere i really love that and i and just that image of belonging anywhere no matter what is what really inspired me to to create this, this word and this concept of neuro belonging. So I'm also gonna share that uh, there's a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot, there's very little research. There's some research that explains the uh, intersection of neurodiversity and queerness, but so much of it is through the lens of autism there really needs to be so much more and obviously neurodivergence expands far beyond autism and adhd and dyslexia and so on so it's going to be really interesting as time goes on the correlation between neurodivergence and queerness and i'm using queer as an umbrella term for lgbtqia plus and my guess is that through the lens of neuronormativity which right on the you know tails of that is heteronormativity. I believe that uh, LGBTQ will be under the umbrella of the neurodivergent umbrella, that is, um, through the lens of neuronormativity uh and heteronormativity, that is not to say in any way that LGBTQ um should be uh, pathologized because in my opinion nothing under the neurodivergent umbrella should be pathologized or considered a deficit or disorder or something to be fixed Um, all of it is just difference and diversity i do want to mention uh, a lot of research showing that gen z and millennials are identifying um, in vast numbers as neurodivergent and or queer. In fact, a research study by Zen Business showed that half of Gen Z identifies as neurodivergent. And I would imagine that's within the limited view of um, neurocognitive conditions like ADHD, autism, dyslexia. I, I wonder as we expand the neurodivergent umbrella to include pretty much everything in the DSM, um, mental health struggles, um, innate and acquired neurodivergence, that that number is going to grow. I, I imagine actually that most people will identify as neurodivergent. So the majority of people, interestingly, will identify as neurodivergent and society will still uh, be accommodating um, those that are neurotypical or masked <laughs> neurotypical um, and set up to uh, Create a society that um, that doesn't accommodate neurodivergence or disability. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Gen Z uh, and younger generations change and transform uh, societies. I think certainly in the workforce we're going to see a lot of change because the Gen Z is going to make up fifty eight percent of the workforce in twenty thirty. So if Gen Z makes up of the workforce and half of Gen Z at least identifies as neurodivergent. We're talking 85 million people who will value neurodiversity affirming practices, who will really demand that um, neurodivergence is understood and celebrated and elevated. They will um, celebrate neuroinclusion and neurobelonging and psychological safety around neurodivergence and disability and mental health uh challenges so i believe that that gen z actually is going to change the the landscape of the workforce and society at large because younger generations are ready to disrupt the status quo younger generations are embracing diverse fluid and nuanced identities they care about access needs for all, they, they look through the lens of intersectionality and neurodiversity and disabilities and mental health, and they're demanding change. They're ready to dismantle the systems of oppression. And um, I, I have just high, high hopes for what... Um, What the younger generations are going to bring and it's my passion and purpose to create more inclusive leaders um, and healers and and parents and practitioners to help uh, create safer spaces to improve the caring and support for Uh, the neuroqueer community, uh, for the neurodivergent community, disabled community, mental health community. So all of it, Um, I think it's really gonna be important. So some of the things I'm talking about in my uh, presentation at the ADHD conference will be specific tools that we can use to, um, to really help care for and support. And advocate for these communities better. And speaking of the conference, I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm flying out from Maine to Baltimore tomorrow. And, um, I've been practicing, of course, my presentation. I've been writing and researching every night and, um, and you know when you get nervous, you just don't sleep very well. So uh, I was thrilled when I came downstairs this morning and saw that um, my box of Magic Mind showed up. Magic Mind is this new little shot uh, drink that I that I take. It's, um, it's it's herbs, it's matcha, it's energy in this tiny little bottle, and I take it with my coffee to Increase the efficacy of the coffee, but amazingly, I haven't needed to take my ADHD meds since taking this. Um, so I am going to bring, and I love that they're in these little bottles. I wonder what the ounces are in here. Yeah, this is going to work. I'm going to be able to bring these on as my carry on, and um, and then as soon as I get to Baltimore, I'm going to put them in my brother's fridge, and then I'm going to have one every single day with my coffee because it allows me to feel more alert and uh energized so i have my (laughs) you will see here my very big coffee mug this is every day for me um and my little uh my little shot my magic mind shot delicious by the way and uh i do this every morning instead of my Mm mint. for those that are listening i am drinking my magic mind it tastes so good and i'm very 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 picky about how things taste Okay, apologies if that seemed like some ASMR situation there in the mic, um, but I just can't say enough about it. So, um, and of course, there's a link to a coupon in my um, in my bio in my link tree, and I'll put it in the um, the show descriptions as well. Um, so I'm excited to go to this conference. I'm of course nervous to stand up on stage in front of people uh, embodying my neurodivergence. I think part of neuroqueering is is the, the the identifying as neuroqueer, the practicing of neuroqueering, but also just allowing ourselves to embody our neuroqueerness, embody our neurodivergence, embody our queerness, embody our truth and our authenticity. And so if you could see me on the video, I I move a lot. I talk with my hands. I make a lot of facial expressions and I I stim a lot. So when I go to present at a conference, I sometimes realize like how wiggly I am, Um, but that is my truth. That is my authenticity. And this is my work in terms of neurobelonging to realize that this is what makes me different these are my uh challenges and um and i'm going to stand strong in that and and embrace this idea of uh neuro belonging within my neuro queerness and the embodiment of such as advocates for the neuroqueer community we want to encourage people to when it is safe unmask we want to encourage people to be as Uh, authentic and embodied in their truth as possible. So that is certainly a a focus of my work. I believe that for anyone out there listening, if you serve or care for the neurodivergent community that you absolutely have to be prepared to serve and care for the uh, queer community, uh, genderqueer, transgender folks, Um, there's, there's just anecdotally, I know there's not a lot of research, but anecdotally, I just rarely meet someone who is neurodivergent, who isn't also fluid in their gender or sexuality. And both of these groups, all these groups, highly marginalized, uh, often misunderstood, underrepresented, uh, all of them have high mental support needs. So there's going to be some things that you really specifically want to, um, Pay attention to if you're a parent or a teacher, or coach, or a doctor, therapist. One of the things to be aware of is dual stigma. Uh, neuroqueer people have the intersecting identities, and dual stigma compounds the stress, making them a high risk group for bullying, for victimization, for social isolation, and. Uh, mental health needs. They may even require uh, extra medical support as well. There is isolation in having an intersectional identity because there's often a feeling that we don't completely belong in one group or another, which can lead to depression and other mental health issues um, coming out coming out queer is one thing. And then coming out neurodivergent is another thing. And so, and we're constantly coming out. We're not just coming out once we're coming out many, many times. And often that's met with discrimination, with rejection, with people not believing us. So knowing the stressors of coming out to work, coming out to friends and family, uh, as neurodivergent, the same way, uh, people come out, uh, to work and friends and family as lgbtq there's a very there's a lot of similarities there um uh, related to sensory issues that make uh, accessing care and managing care Um, more challenging. If somebody is uh, LGBTQ, say a trans person who is also neurodivergent, there might be some strong sensory issues that make things such as binders very challenging. So some of the uh, medical care and care about medicine or any of the uh, hormone therapy or any of the treatments can add an extra challenge if there are sensory issues. Which brings me to medical trauma because there's just a huge amount of medical trauma and medical fears in the community. There's uh, that uh, constant feeling of being misunderstood, but also pathologized and stigmatized. Um, obviously, there there's a lot of homophobia and transphobia out there and Currently, there are laws being made naming autism as a precluding factor for accessing gender affirming care, stating that autistic people cannot determine if they're trans or not. On top of that, there's socioeconomic barriers to being able to access medical care and medicine. And all of this adds to the stress already uh, for somebody who is already um, misrepresented, misunderstood, marginalized. So safe space is key, creating safe space, um, for these children and adults. And, um, and not just saying this is a safe space, y'all, if you say this is a safe space and the person doesn't feel safe, they actually feel less safe and more excluded. So really taking responsibility to create a safer space, um, you cannot guarantee anyone's safety, though. So you can intend for it to be a safe space, um, but you can't guarantee it because we don't know what's happening internally. Uh, so I know there's a lot of um, talk about rather than saying safe space, saying intended safe space or brave space. Just remember the the inherent inequities around brave space because somebody who is already marginalized is just in their day to day life already needing to be brave, brave to wake up brave to get out the door. So we can't also expect them to come to spaces and be brave and be authentic and share like the leaders, the people with the power and the privilege need to be able to establish safe enough spaces so that people can come and not need to be so brave the leaders need to be brave the leaders those with power and privilege need to be brave enough to proactively establish safer spaces psychologically safe spaces where people with the most intersecting marginalized identities have safety to speak up to speak out to offer feedback without negative consequences that is psychological safety and only when the most marginalized uh, folks can do that can you say at all that that the space is psychologically safe so that uh, concept is so important. I, I feel like we should end there and I have more, and I'm gonna do a part two, cause I wanna talk about the, the framework that I use um, specifically to uh, care for this community. And I'll do that in part two, um, but I hope this has kind of stimulated some thoughts and the conversations about neuroqueering and uh, neuro belonging and uh, how you can best care for and support the neuroqueer community. So thank you so much, everybody, for, for coming, for listening, and um, I welcome anytime feedback. Feel free to email me at Pasha at PashaMarlow.com. Um, I'm all over LinkedIn and TikTok and Instagram, uh, Facebook. You can easily find me um, in LinkedIn and Facebook. I'm on Pasha Marlow and uh, on Instagram and TikTok at Coach. And so I'm on those daily and will read any uh, messages that come my way. Uh, I welcome your, I welcome your feedback. I welcome your ideas. I look forward to meeting you and neuroqueering with you another day. And hopefully I'll see some of you at the ADHD conference. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Bye. Before you go, I have a favor to ask. Please subscribe to this podcast. That way you won't miss an episode and it'll help me bring it to folks who need it most. Fellow ADHD minds out there, I know you're going to forget I would too. So let's push that button now and subscribe. Awesome. Thank you so much. Bonus points if you spread the word of the Neuroqueering Podcast by sharing it or reviewing it. Thank you. Also, if you want to see more of me, please follow me on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at Neuroqueer Coach. Sign up for coaching at PashaMarlow.com or to guest on my show or leave feedback, email at Pasha at Neuroqueering.com. Thanks all. Happy Neuroqueering. Enjoy your day.